It's hot as the devil outside. Lightning bugs are lighting up the fields, and the lake's waters are calling, which means only one thing, my friend. It's time to kick off the second annual Camp Rad Strangeness. That's right, campers. We have a hot summer full of topics for you to dive into with us. We're going to be talking about the cryptid creatures we've been researching, some small-town local legends we've heard, the strange things in the sky, and why you should probably ignore the creepy sounds you hear at the forest tree line. Oh, and we'll even hear from some of you campers directly. So, kiss your moms and dads goodbye, hop on the bus, and let's get camping. Welcome back, campers, to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, child abductions, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Got a little dark there. I didn't... I... Boy. I, uh, I was thinking, like, camp... But it just straight up sounded like a true, true, true crime. <laughs> Take it again. Hey, pal. How's it going? Hey, man. I am. I know you are, too. Just we're super excited about Camp Rat Strangeness. Mm-hmm. Camp Rat Strangeness. Jesus. Camp Rat Strangeness. These counselors have been doing doobies in the back. <laughs> Anyways, we're super. <laughs> I'm just super excited that finally, the second annual Camp Rat Strangeness. Mm-hmm. Is here. Oh yeah, and I just can't believe that it's uh, so hot outside. And I know that we've sat, we just really sound like we're complaining a lot. But man, as you know, and as a lot of our listeners know, you know, a couple weeks ago got back from a beautiful vacation, mm-hmm. and I'm really gonna try to make today's episode not seem like one long gigantic commercial for everyone to go see and travel to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. man, I gotta say, dude, I fell in love with that place. Which is funny because, and you know, wrongly so. When I, I think know of what you're gonna say, yeah, yeah when I think of Michigan, I think of like Detroit, and yeah, and it it just it's not appealing at all to me, um, dude. It's so funny that you say that because you know, <clears throat> every year we go on a big family vacation. Uh, to kick off the summer with like Anne's side of the family. Mm. And this year she had, you know, heard about the beautiful scenery and lakes and all this in Michigan, especially in that north northern Michigan area, uh, up towards the Upper Peninsula. And the same, dude, I had the exact, I even said the exact same thing that you said, which mm-hmm. is like, I mean, Michigan, I'm not going to Detroit, mm-hmm. you know, because like yeah. when we were on tour, we had, gone yep. through Michigan and been like, well, we couldn't wait to get out of there. Yep. But I was just blown away, man. Yeah, me too. Any of the photos yeah. that you sent, I just, my immediate reaction was, that's in Michigan? Yeah. And you also said, keep an eye out for cryptids. Yeah. Because, folks, the area that we were in, literally, it feels like you just got 
picked up and mm. dropped off in an area that is just like how you would imagine where all these cryptids could live. Yeah. So today, man, I really want to talk about, and hopefully like, look, some of them are going to be kind of obvious. Some of them we're going to kind of just touch on today a little bit because they deserve a little bit of just like a episode of their own. Mm-hmm. Some of them, man, I'm hoping that you've never heard of because mm. there's no way you know these unless yeah. you're like really intense on your Native American lore. <clears throat> I mean, I All do right. have Cherokee blood in me, so. Yeah, well, okay. Man, I'm so ready. Okay, so obviously you're looking at these big trees. You're going to know that this is the side of the country that is going to be ripe with some Bigfoot sightings. What is it, ripe or rife? Yeah, you, you know what? Fuck. <laughs> am, am I rife wrong or are you with, wrong here? Yep. Well, rife with <laughs> means having a large amount of something bad or unpleasant. Ripe with is definitely wrong. Well, it just depends. It's like... Filled ripe with details. So. Oh, well. Hmm. Okay. And you might be right, just about rife. You mean I might be rife? See, you go to camp, listeners, and you think learning's over. Some, school's out. Mm-hmm. But guess what? We're still going to be learning this year. We love to learn. Rife is what I should have said. And that's what I said. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Okay. So, as you can imagine, this is a prime location. Oh, yeah. For Bigfoot. Okay. I mean, just amazing, humongous trees that, yes, we have large trees down here in the south, but it's just different, man. Just like these beautiful, gorgeous pines and all kinds of stuff. And the area specifically that we were in is really kind of popular for their cherry orchards and Mm. uh, breweries and wineries too, which was awesome. But all throughout that area, there have been a ton of Bigfoot sightings. All through Michigan, actually. Now, um, before we talk about some of these Bigfoot encounters and stuff, um, I got to say probably the most popular cryptid in Michigan Mm -hmm. is the Michigan Dog Man. Yep, I knew it. Now, this is exactly what I was talking about earlier, and you and I both agree. The Michigan Dog Man is extremely fascinating and deserves its own episode because we're going to have to give some context before we just start talking about Okay. Sightings, mm-hmm. okay, but we've all well, we've had previous episodes about Bigfoot, and so I think um, I think we can kind of talk about some of these uh, some of these sightings here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was pretty interesting. So the man says, "I just gotten out to bow hunt. I'd lived in the area all my life and was hunting a large section of woods and swamp. There is a field towards the middle of this that that had corn up. I climbed into a tree stand that someone had put up there that year." I didn't know whose stand it was. After a bit, the owner of the stand arrived. His son was with him. I apologized for being in his stand, and he said not to worry, that he and his son were going to go into the woods a little ways where they had another blind. They carried a large bucket of apples with them. Also to note, I had never seen these two people in this area of the woods before. They went back into the woods a ways, and I could hear them quite clearly, for it was dry and the leaves were down. There really wasn't any other sounds going on except for the occasional small critter and squirrels and such. I guess they must have been tossing out their apples, because I heard a lot of loud noise. So I looked up, and what I saw was what I assumed to be another hunter at the edge of the field. This field wasn't very big, maybe three acres or a little more. I could see across it pretty well. 
It was flat, and the corn had done good that year and was at a height of about six feet. At the south end of the field, there was a drainage ditch that's about eight to ten feet deep. It runs east to west the length of the field. The side I was on, which was the north side, was backed by woods. This hunter proceeded to walk on the south side of the field. He was dark in color, though the arms seemed to be a little lighter shade. I didn't think much of him until I began to ponder the fact that I could see half of its body. The arms swung in a long, rhythmic way with the walk. It didn't move very fast, and it seemed to pay no attention in my direction. It didn't even look back. I estimated it to be about nine feet tall from where I sat. I watched it walk the whole length of the field where it stopped, and at the end dropped down into one of the ditches. I then proceeded to get out of the tree and quickly walk home, which was in the other direction. There was no sound, nor did I go and check for tracks, but that I wish I had. I've hunted in that land all my life. The field has no high points on that side, so there's no way that a human could have been standing above that six-foot-tall corn. I don't know. I never saw it again, but that image has stuck with me ever since. So that one's pretty crazy, man. Um, There's also a lot of activity with like kind of like swamp areas. And there's one uh, swamp in particular called Foley Swamp. Mm -hmm. And basically there's been a lot of sightings of like an eight foot hairy creature, you know, bugging people. And even like, you know, if if someone has like their windows open and uh, this one lady had her window open and had like a box fan in it and it was blowing air into the house. Well, she said that she saw a Bigfoot creature basically kind of like looking in the window, just like, uh, what? <laughs> uh, peering in, and it pushed the fan into the into the window and ran off. Um, there have been countless claims, uh, and they include areas such as Foley Swamp, mm-hmm. like this article from a local paper back in 1990. Dude, the head, like, this is so cool. The headline reads, Bigfoot is back. All in, dude, like, this is, again, the perfect place for a cryptid creature such as Bigfoot to hide. I mean, there are swamps, there are, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's dense foliage, there is, you know, valleys, th- there's all kinds of really, really good hiding places. Um, and so, so would you say that, like, as a Georgia native, um, mm-hmm. what would you say, well, I mean, we've sort of toured all over the U.S., but, like, yeah. What would you say, you know, the environment is yeah. similar to? I would say, and and with some other the the crazy creatures and legends and mysteries that we're going to talk about, you you'll agree with this. But because it's that far north, you're starting to get into kind of almost Canadian wilderness mm-hmm. sort of look. You right. know, it it reminded me a little bit of the Pacific Northwest, but not as. Um, like trees yeah. aren't as big. Yeah, the trees aren't as big, mm-hmm. but it is very dense, man. I mean, it's an area of the, it's a part of the country where there's a bunch of logging towns back in the day. Mm-hmm. You've got all kinds of nature trails. And I mean, it's just like a wilderness that I tell you, it looks kind of like you see in the movies, like The Great Outdoors. And um, oh, okay, cool. Immediately got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the best thing I can, the best comparison I can make. Okay, cool. So, Kind of related to the Bigfoot sightings is this creature called the Dewey Lake Monster. Mm. Have you heard of this one? No. 
Okay. So the Dewey Lake monster. That's one. A, that's one. Wait. Yes. So is this? Are we keeping account? So is that what was the first one? Well, I mean Bigfoot. But j- there's no like colloquial name for it. Well, I mean there's one. There's a uh, just like where it is. Sometimes there's sometimes it's called like the Isabella Bigfoot. Right. But that's just because you know there's a lot of sightings in Isabella. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this one is just the Dewey Lake monster. Okay, never. So right. that's one for one. I've never heard of. Okay. Okay. The Dewey Lake monster is a Bigfoot-like creature that's been sighted for many years around Dewey Lake. And Dewey Lake is one of the sister lakes, which is, um, first off, there's dang lakes everywhere, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's a series of lakes that's scattered on the border of Cass and Van Buren counties between, um, it's kind of in the southwest corner of the state. So not really close to where I was, but very interesting nonetheless. Hmm. The creature doesn't just inhabit the land around the lake, but also this long stretch of unpaved road which is called Dewey Lake Street, which runs for many miles due east of Dewey Lake and passes through a very rural, swampy, and wooded area of Cass County. Mm -hmm. In the summer of 1964, that was really when the peak of the Dewey Lake monster sightings occurred. Uh, But a lot of the stories have dated back to the first settlements in the area and still continue today. So back in 1964, man, thousands of people came to the area looking for this creature that was spotted around Dewey Lake after some residents around the lake had reported close encounters with this huge beast that was covered in dark fur and was around 10 feet tall. Uh, The Dewey Lake monster appears to be similar to a Bigfoot, but there are some differences. Mm. It seems to be somewhat aquatic in nature. It swims under the surface. Some people say that they even have noticed that it it has kind of like scaly skin, kind of scaly skin with claws more like a bear. Some of the pictures... So like no no like opposable thumb, but like just sort of like a, almost like a paddle? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And like webbed. Wow. And, um... Did you just do like a... That's weird. (laughs) No, I did though. The, uh... Uh, Owen Wilson. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, it's cool, man. I mean, this is a perfect place. This is a safe space. You can talk about how you're turned on by the Dewey Lake Monster. Oh, yeah, I love it. Huge fan. <laughs> uh, it's also got like a cone-shaped head. Now, that Another, is kind of a common Bigfoot trait. Right. Like kind of like that smaller upper cranial area. Mm-hmm. It also appears that this creature is more aggressive. Some reports talk about it smashing cars or turning over cars. I mean, one of the things that kind of just scares me about this creature, honestly, is imagine kind of being in an area. Now, most of the, well, Lake Michigan, where we were, dude, the water was like the Caribbean, man. It was perfectly clear. And I'll talk about why that personal experience about why that was kind of freaky in just a second, but which I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Imagine just like all of a sudden this freaking hairy beast. You're just out in the water on a kayak, just relaxing, enjoying life, man. You're you're just thinking about all the things you're grateful for. And this freaking hairy 10-foot long beast Mm. comes swimming from underneath the water. I mean, that's just terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, before I get into my sort of lake experience, I do want to tell you about something that I saw, man. Give it to and me. And I, you know, I will, I will openly say this absolutely could have been 
just my imagination. It could have been nothing at all. Not a chance. Well, okay, here's what happened. We were driving, uh, let's see, I think we were driving to like a winery or something that my uh, wife's cousin wanted to go see. Mm-hmm. On our on our way, it may have even been uh, a brewery, but anyhow, I'm driving along and in the distance I see, just like that guy was kind of talking about earlier, this beautiful cornfield. In the house, this little house was like, almost like, I would say almost like a Clark Kent sort of, you know, family mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. sort of thing. I mean, it just looked very picturesque. Yeah. And sort of like behind the house, you know, it was just a normal sort of flat-ish yard. I see this like, and I just noticed this movement because it's just so fast that I'm like, huh? And it's as I'm kind of like, the house is sort of um, off of the road and I'm kind of curving to the left and the, the house is on the other side of the road on the right, okay? And I notice this thing moving towards the back of that house in the yard and to me, in my eyes, it just looked like someone dressed in like a pure, like head to toe in just like this, I don't know, like a like a gilly, orange, kind of like a burnt orange. Um, I don't, I can't tell you for certain if it was like a ghillie suit and straight up just exactly like Bigfoot or if it was just some, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's just my mind filling in the blanks. Mm. But as I remember it, dude, I'm not joking. I just see this figure, we'll say, running fast as heck. But I should I should um, amend that. Not running like they were moving. They were um, going a lot of distance quickly, but their legs weren't moving super fast, if that makes any sense at all. Do you know what I'm saying? Wait, what? It's like they were covering a lot of ground, but with less steps. Do you know what I'm saying? Like huge, big, huge steps. I mean, you're talking like a fast, but they weren't just like their legs weren't back and forth like sprinting. It was just like these. So like Patty. It was like bounding almost. Yeah, like Patty kind of. No, because that like that was more like, I don't know how to explain it, dude. Mm. In other words, like, you know how like if you're if you see in the movies like these like a giant covers a lot of ground quickly mm-hmm. because they just have these like giant legs yeah that's kind of what it seemed like but it was faster than a walk but just like the legs weren't moving we're, we're focusing on this detail far too long yeah, right the bottom yeah. line is i don't know what it was and i totally because of the rate at which it was traveling i totally expected that once i rounded the curve that it would come out on the other side but what i saw was on the other side of this house just almost right up against to the side of it was just cornfields and mm. I just didn't see anything else. It was weird, dude. I don't know that it was like a Bigfoot or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know. You're it saying it was strange. not a not not a Bigfoot. Yeah. Also. I'm not, I'm not sure what it was. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. So speaking of things that are in the lake, I think you might have heard of this one. But Here we go. One thing to kind of know about the Great Lakes is they're humongous, Okay. I could be on one end of Lake Michigan and literally be looking across and for hundreds of miles, you just can't see anything, no land on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it goes on forever. It seems like you're at an ocean, honestly. Yeah. Because they're so big and deep, it's really hard for me to 
kind of just be okay with the fact that there aren't just these huge creatures in there. Now, one of the things about the lake is that it is pretty cold. So while we were there, you know, we, I mean, we didn't dive into it because the, the water is just freezing. And so that kind of does put a little bit of a hamper on what type. But did you say hamper? Things. I think you meant damper. Yeah. Put a damper on. Second one today. That does put a damper on the type of animals, I guess, biologically that could be in there. But the Great Lakes apparently are home to some really giant, mysterious serpent type mm-hmm. monsters. All right. And this one that we're talking about first is called Pressy. Wait, no. I've never right. heard of Pressy. You got me there. Oh. Two for two. Man. All right. So uh, let's see. There's also a bunch of other ones that I'm going to like lump together. Like there's the Lake Leelanau monster, which is kind of close to where I was. The sea monster of the Mackinac Straits. There's one called Saggy. Saggy, the Saginaw Bay Beast. Goober. That kind of sounds familiar, but yeah, we'll count it. So Pressy's really like the most famous. All right. Mm-hmm. It's got like a whale's tail. Mm-hmm. And it lives in Lake Superior, which is not Lake Michigan, obviously, and that's not where I was. But a lot of the sightings come from this this mouth of the Presque. That's where the kind of name comes mm-hmm. from, too. The the mouth of the uh, Presque Isle River. There's a famous photograph of Presque, which was taken in 1977, and obviously we're going to post that on our Instagram. According to like some of the things I read, you know, it's a pretty blurry snapshot of something. Some people say it could be a rock, an overturned boat, a big sturgeon or catfish, Mm -hmm. a whale, a dinosaur, (laughs) a crashed UFO, you named it. There's all kinds of things people say the sea serpent is. Now, I will tell you this too, man. In Lake Michigan even, tons of shipwrecks, dude. Yeah. Tons of just weird stuff. And fish, dude, that are huge, weird, and just scary mm-hmm. in, a, in a way so and and they get like super deep the oh, gray yeah, lakes dude. yeah big time deep and just perfect for cold water fish mm-hmm. um which by the way man those some of those like sturgeon mm-hmm. i mean they literally look like dinosaurs yeah dude and they're, they get massive. massive yeah yeah so that's that's basically you know pressy which mm. you know again i think we should we'll put like pictures of all these up there Mm-hmm. It's a really cool, I mean, you know, it's kind of like uh, in the vein of like Loch Ness and all that. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I guess they're all, I mean, well, for the most part, all of your big lake monsters are going to kind of look like basically like a plesiosaur. Yeah, yeah uh, basically. Basically a brontosaurus, but with like flippers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this next one's not really necessarily, I wouldn't classify it as a cryptid ne- necessarily, but maybe you decide Mm. this is the mystery and the legend of i don't laugh but it's called the melon heads i now i have heard of this okay Mm -hmm. so this is more like the like uh, urban legend almost yeah urban legend mystery and perhaps kind of really kind of the most i don't know grotesque of the local michigan legends and so the Melonheads are said to roam the woods around Sagatuck and are connected to this place called the Felt Mansion, which is a building that dates back to 1928. It's been a seminary. It's been a state police post. Mm-hmm. And then it became a school on the grounds of the Sagatuck Dunes Correctional Facility. So the Melonhead people are said to have been treated at at an alleged nearby Asylum 
Yep. They escaped and then made this dilapidated felt mansion their home. The asylum was home to the children born with what they, what's called hydrocephalus, yep. uh, a condition commonly known as water on the brain, which can cause uh, which can cause uh, mental uh, disability. Yeah, you know, aside from I guess their potential scary appearance, right? The fact that when people spot them, they would spot them around that local felt mansion. Rumors talk about how they're around four feet tall with this sort of big bulbous head. And they just kind of like will be lurking nearby, hiding behind trees. And even that like they might even live in underground tunnels. Um, Wow. It gets kind of gross in that like some of the reasons why they left the asylum, the rumor is that they ate the doctor who mistreated them, escaped, and then have been just like essentially inbreeding down in those tunnels in this mansion Mm. ever since. Which I've also heard that there's sort of an alternate idea. Are you going to get into that? Yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. Well, just that there's a possibility that the – or sort of a a contrasting story that like the doctor was actually like really like passionate about this particular sort of disorder. So he he, like put – a ton, like he he basically put all of his research into, um, you know, finding a cure or or treating like that particular like hydrocephalitis, I guess, mm-hmm. cephalus. You know, so it was like he was kind of like the good guy, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, I, you know, I don't think we really know. There's so many. Yeah, there's a bunch of like conflicting mm-hmm. sort of this one. That one specifically is a lot more urban legend. Mm-hmm. The story's changed over time, and uh, it's just... Which, I mean, I think there's, like, you know, which, I mean, all this is, you know, has the possibility of just being fake, but I think there's, like, a bunch of, like, old photographs and, like, videos and stuff of, like, Mm. you know, people seeing these things, like, in the woods. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, the, the sort of people in New Orleans. You remember, like, on that road... Oh yeah, wait. What were and they? I can't remember if we talked about that in the uh, the Rougarou or the Lugarou. Yeah, it's like some was... family. Yeah, I know exactly I mean, I what you're talking up. about. Hmm. It, it's basically that kind of like that uh, same sort of physical deformation. But there's a lot of in that family inbreeding. Small, yeah. yeah, and they kind of just like stay off to themselves, and they don't they don't really get very far. What is the the whole, is it like the the hills have eyes? That plays up on that, mm-hmm. like, sort of yeah. inbred, weird family. Yeah, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of yeah. does, too. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and we've talked about this on the show as well. That kind of stuff really kind of freaks me. I mean, that's, to me, mm-hmm. the real scary stuff. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects and all that kind of that idea of just, like, that real gross sort of trashy people. Yeah, that it's that. Just go out and they're just crazy and murder people. It's just... It's, Rob Zombie loves it. Yeah. That, like, white trash trope, mm-hmm. which is real disturbing, for sure. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, not a big fan of it mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I mean, I like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacres and stuff. I but mean, uh, Anyway, speaking of New Orleans, this is a perfect segue into... After these messages, we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. So, dude, I know for a fact that you've heard of this one because I think I mentioned it and you're like, oh, yeah, this one, Nain Rug. No, I think you got it. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly or incorrectly. It's if you're a betting familiar. man, but go incorrect. But anyway, let me, let me describe it. Mm-hmm. I know you know this one. Okay. This is a red devil dwarf. And again, it's like more of like an urban legend monster that allegedly... Um, would appear just prior to awful events that occurred. In Wait a minute! History. I told you about this like recently. Yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know it was I Michigan. Think it was though. whenever I was going to Michigan. I swear, somehow we talked about this. Maybe it was. Bef- maybe I was like, let's look hey, up. You some- gotta look. Yeah, yeah. So Mary Caroline Watson Hamlin's 1883 book called Legends of Le Detroit described the Nain Rug as a as a dwarf, mm-hmm. very red in the face, mm-hmm. with a bright, glistening eye. Instead of burning, it froze. Instead of possessing depth, emitted a cold gleam like the reflection from a polished surface, bewildering and dazzling all who came within its focus. And with a grinning mouth displaying sharp, pointed teeth, completed this strange face. Mm. Now, that's from her book, but... Other accounts describe the uh, the Nain Rug as a small creature with, again, red or black fur, covering an almost animal's body, but with the face of an old man with blazing red eyes and rotten teeth. Mm. According to some scholars, the legend of Nain Rug has its origins in local Native American beliefs of spirit creatures that inhabited the region, which were subsequently sort of, you know, retold by European colonists, and I think over time, just like anything... You know, some new characteristics would kind of pop in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, I totally, 
uh, up until when I mentioned that to you, though, before you went to Michigan, I'd never heard of it. Uh, mm. But I was immediately fascinated because it kind of feels like a, you know, it, I mean, it feels like a like the red hat gnomes and like that kind of thing where you have like the mm-hmm. sharp teeth, but they're like, you know, these little diminutive men uh, that kind of get up to no good. Yeah. But what's interesting about this is like, it's just the one, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. it kind of makes, it, it's interesting to me because it kind of feels like, well, you know, if he is associated with like fairies or the fae or dwarves or that kind of, you know, lineage, if you believe in that mm-hmm. stuff, um, maybe he was like sort of the, the last one or he's, he kind of, you know, when all the other ones would go and hide from, you know, civilization as it sort of spread outwards, maybe he was cool, like, being seen, you know? Mm, yeah. But the eye thing is weird. Yeah. And so, like, what's cool is, man, there's some, like, really pretty strong sort of, I guess, roots in Michigan lore about Rude, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that dates way back all the way into, the, like, the 1700s. And according to legend, that imp crossed the path of, of the Detroit founder, Antoine de la Moth Cadillac, who was... Subs- uh, subsequently suffered great trouble and misfortune after that. And speaking of like throughout the folklore, people have seen this thing or reported seeing it, I should say, following the Battle of the Bloody Run in 1763. Mm-hmm. In 1805, a fire that decimated the city. General William Hull's surrender of the city to the French army in 1813. The 1967 race riots. And a nasty 1976 ice storm. I love it, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, oh, man. Um, the Little Demon's res- uh, resume also includes multiple attacks on the populace, some of which gave 19th century victims the vapors. And what's cool is, dude, since 2010, Detroiters have organized a parade to unite the community against the Nain Rouge, and it's called the March du Nain Rouge. The parade is related to a tale about driving Nain Rug out of the town due to all the evil uh, that he caused and banish him from the city. I mean, I mean that's awesome. And, and so amazing, when man. did this happen? Well, ever since 1700, man. But I mean, when was like the... The most recent? Well, the the big exodus where they, they sort of ran him out of town. You say that was 1700s or something? It's related to a tale. It didn't give me a year. Oh, but they, they've they've been doing this parade. Um, oh, oh, past, oh! Like, I see. Yeah, twelve years. I thought so. you were saying there was like one big official, and I was like, no. "Geez, I mean, that's pretty uh, legit." Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool, right? No, that's amazing, man. I love that. All right. It, it, to so me, you it's kind like of those, had heard about it. You just didn't know much about it. Uh, yeah. No, I mean that was. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, is this going in the category of knew about it? Well, no, because so far, really, the only one you've known about is the melon heads. The melon heads. Yeah, no, this I've even debated even putting that in. This one definitely counts as like me not knowing about it. I mean, because the only reason I knew about it is because I specifically like you know was looking up like Michigan of like be on the lookout of this. Yeah, right. Kind okay. of thing. All but right. no, it's fascinating though. This next one. This next one, dude. I again. Well, I'm going to stop saying I've never heard of it because that goes for all of these. All right. This one is incredible. So, again, coming back to the fact that Michigan is home to so many lakes, small ones, big ones, whatever. 
This cryptid is called, or they're known as the Michigan Merman. Mm. It's linked to um, the Ojibwe legend of the Meme Guashi, which is this hairy-faced, child-sized humanoid that dwells in the rocks by Lake Superior. Sightings dating back to the 18th century, man, with like lower half scaly-tailed and then, you know, the rest of them sort of man-like. Hmm. I actually found a story of one of these sightings, dude. It's just incredible. Here we go. Let's get it. On May 13th, 1782, Vanant St. Germain, uh-oh, uh-oh. a Canadian fur trader, spotted what he believed to be an actual merman swimming in the cold, deep, dark waters of Lake Superior. While making a stop at Pie Island, which sounds like a place I need to go, mm-hmm. in the northern part of the lake, St. Germain spotted the creature and described it as looking childlike with brownish skin and having extremely brilliant eyes. Uh, Wait, hold on a second. That sounds an awful lot like the name Rug. He's a diminutive character uh, and has these sparkling eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean... Hmm. Maybe there's a connection there. Yeah. All right, so... St. Germain, 30 years after he saw this merman, stood before the court of King's Bench in Montreal to sign an affidavit about what he witnessed. Hmm. This creature was also part of the Ojibwe people's stories, which they called, I said that, Meme Guashi, which was a creature similar to what St. Germain had seen. When St. Germain first saw this uh, merman, first thing he did was, you know, naturally, get out his gun. Shot it. Shoot yeah. at it. Absolutely. He'd been traveling with Native American women of the Ojibwe tribe, and she kind of prevented the shooting from happening. So he like just goes and pulls out his gun and is like pointing at it. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. The woman told him that it was bad luck to threaten these water creatures. Mm. And sure enough, a nasty storm rolled through the area that lasted for three days. You know, was the storm just a coincidence? I don't know. But this is interesting, dude. St. Germain's life would end by means of an accidental bullet. Hmm. Isn't that weird? I mean, now, do we know if this has any connection to the calm day St. Germain? I don't know. That is definitely a character that we're going to get to, but not today. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's some of the physical characteristics of the uh, Michigan mermen. Mm-hmm. They're three feet tall. They've got six fingers. A hairy body, a very round head. It likes to hide among rocks in the water. It's got like a childlike appearance. And sometimes stands there with one hand out of the water and the other on their hip. (laughs) Strange detail. That's a weird detail. Yeah, but I got to tell you, man. So, again, let me bring this back to some personal experience. I, I definitely didn't see a merman. But when you're out there... Something interesting about the area that we were in on Lake Michigan was that it was extremely, there were no boats kind of that were close by to the house. Because Mm -hmm. for the most part, the first, I'd say 200 yards of the water, it was relatively shallow. Definitely too shallow for a boat to get in, Mm -hmm. you know, a large boat. So one of the days that we were there, the water was really, really calm and we took our kayaks out there. And just would go on. Well, my wife's not a huge fan of natural bodies of water 
for very long. Mm -hmm. This helped that she could actually see in it. But there was this really sort of off-putting feeling, dude. The further you got out Mm. and the deeper that the water got, just being able to see it in the bottom and there not really being much around, except these giant, huge rocks that are like completely rounded off, okay? Mm -hmm. Thinking about this and whenever I was kind of doing the research for this episode, and even just thinking about it while I was out there. Because one of the days, like, she was like, I don't really want to go out that far. Well, I was like, man, it's so peaceful out here. I'm just going to keep on paddling out. So I went out by myself, had my cell phone and life jacket on and all that. And I just kept on paddling, paddling, paddling. Well, I look back, I can't even see people on the shore. That's how far out I was. And I'm kind of in this area where it's starting to get way deep. Now we're like hundreds of feet, you know, deep. Mm -hmm. And I just had this, like, thought, man, like, I'm just out here by myself. What else is out here, man? Mm. You know? Like, what kind of big thing might just come check me out for a second and bump my boat? And also, for you folks that, like, you just, you got to see, like, some of these pictures. Because, like, it's, I mean, it looks like a glacial lake or something. It's Mm -hmm. very, like... It's like the most clear thing. So the idea that something would be like, you know, in in the lake itself, just it feels very like old, at least to me, like after oh, seeing yeah, man. the photos. Yeah, very, very old. And, you know, to be honest with you, and this will just kind of go to show, again, the water was perfectly calm. I had my cell phone. Mm-hmm. I didn't take any pictures of what it looked like that far out, man, because mm. I had this like, I thought about doing that. And then I was like, did I got to get back? I got I to gotta turn this boat around and I need to get a little closer. To sh- I just got freaked out. It was just it was just weird. It's hard to explain. There weren't like, it's almost like this like extreme calm and quiet that was almost like unnatural in a way. Like there was this vacuum of activity sound wise mm. and underneath me in the water, you know? Mm. Now I remember saying, I remember like either I read this in, uh, where the footprints end, or maybe it was in Tim Marchenko's, um Disembodied Voices. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I feel like there is some sort of like event that occurs before some some of these weird sightings that people report, where things get like eerily calm. Oh, you're talking about the either the Oz effect or the Oz factor? I guess where I don't know. yeah, it's it's um, it's really usually associated with like Bigfoot kind of stuff and there's a lot I think there's a good bit in um uh the missing 411 David Pilates mm. books but yeah it's basically where um it's almost like all the sound in an area is just you know you're it's just like sucked out and it mm. feels like you're in like a vacuum and there's almost like this um which I mean I don't know if you felt this but but a lot of times people will report like this almost like weird almost like hum or like this low super low kind of feeling of like you know almost like uh like sleep paralysis people talk about but Mm. yeah mainly it's like all the animals just completely go dead silent and uh it's like the sound is just sucked out of the area and that's kind of what it felt like Mm -hmm. luckily i didn't hear any low Mm -hmm. hum or rumble because that would have definitely freaked me out yeah but it was just one of those moments, man, my mind was probably just freaking itself out kind of thing. But, uh, you know, thinking about some of these things, like the fact that the Michigan mermen are like childlike and they like to li- like 
be in and around the rocks in the lake. Ugh, man. I mean, that's like straight dryad fey kind of mm. like water spirit yeah, dude. sort of water fairy stuff. I love it. All right. Now we're going to talk about two really cool cryptid creatures that definitely take their their um, origins from Native American lore, mm. but they're really awesome. So I'm not sure that you've heard of these just because, I mean, literally their names are Native American names now. Well, by the way, the merman, I've never heard of them. Yeah. That's oh, another man. one. Gosh, I'm just crushing it you today. You are. Okay. This one's called the Wahila or Saber Wolf. I mean, Whoa. could anything, like, that's the 80s as heck. Yeah, that's like a superhero name. I mean, if I think, forget about that. I think that would be my, if I was in Top Gun, that's going to be my oh, call sign. Yep. Saber Wolf. I love it. All right. This is the, now listen to this, man. Now just imagine being out in this wilderness. You're on a camping trip with your kids. You're cooking the hot dogs. You're sweating your butt off. And all of a sudden, this creature comes around the corner and it's a wolf, but it's the size of a bear. Wow. And in Native American lore, it is an evil spirit that manifests itself more often, honestly, in the Northwest Canada and Alaska area. And I just can't wait for you to hear this connection here. One colonial era tale, though, chronicles the deaths of three trappers in northern Michigan, where they were savagely ravaged by a Wahila, which, by the way, would not be confused for a dogman, mm. because the characteristics are much differently. So it's larger and more heavily built than normal wolves, obviously, with this like really big, wide head, proportionally larger feet, and long, pure white fur. The animal's hind legs are said to be shorter than the front legs, and the tracks show widely spaced toes. Witnesses describe it to be about three and a half to four feet tall at the shoulder. <laughs> Think about that Jeez. for a second. That's like basically a dog that's, you know, is just standing there, and its shoulder comes four feet off the ground. Wow. Well, Gila are never seen in packs. And so, you know, everyone kind of presumes that they are solitary. Native legends describe the Wahila as an evil spirit with supernatural powers and describe it as killing people and removing their heads. Dude, get wait for it. <laughs> Guess where it is native, my friend? The uh, Wahila. When I read this, I almost just I almost fell out. The Wahila is native. To the Nahani, Nahani Valley or Headless Valley. Exactly. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, we just came full circle because if you listen to our episode. Season one, episode 41, the Valley of Headless Men. We talk about these men that go, these, these gold miners mm -hmm. that go missing in this valley. And then when they're found, they're completely headless. Yeah. Now, I remember kind of when we talked about this, I'd have to go back and listen to the episode. It's been quite a while that we had maybe talked, well, maybe it was like a dire. And at the time we were like, no way a wolf could have done that. Mm -hmm. But now we know about the Wahila and this, and it, you know, the saber wolf. And I don't know, man, it seems, um, wow. seems pretty crazy. But I, I thought it was fascinating that potentially there was a sighting and a death of, of these three trappers in northern Michigan back in the, the colonial days. Uh, well, wait, real quick, though. But how, like, so they're saying that they think that this thing, like, I mean, how would they know that it originated from, like, the Nahani Valley? Well, I, I guess because it was just from the native 
folks and First Nations oh, people or whatever up mm-hmm. in that area. They had plenty of reports of that. I they mean, were sort of seeing about, the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you think about, you know, that's another thing. Again, I'm just promoting the heck out of Michigan here. It really does seem um, less urbanized and tourist destinationed to death, right? And so, like, when I think about the creatures like this and the fact that they were out in the Nahani Valley, and when mm-hmm. we talked about that, we talked about just this fascination for that area of of Canada and Alaska that just seems still to this day untouched, mm-hmm. and how much even more back then it would have been. You know, you're talking about a, um, you know, these creatures like the Wahila that probably had a large band of sort of like places that they lived, you know? Mm-hmm. And then over time, as things were industrialized and all this kind of stuff, maybe they kind of just moved further north and out over to where, you know, it's still kind of undiscovered country. I mean, if you remember, like that whole area is is bigger than the Amazon. Yeah, dude, which is nuts yeah. to think about. Yeah, like 100% nuts. all old growth, you know, vegetation and trees. Mm. And the biggest, like, I th- was it on the planet? I guess it was on the planet, right? Is uh, is Canada on the planet? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying I think it's it's the biggest, like, undeve- underdeveloped, or not underdeveloped, but Maybe, undeveloped. I don't, huh? I don't know. Um, I, feel like I don't have that statistic prepared. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> this next one, again, also, th- this thing is so cool, man. And it just makes me, get, dude, I... You know, I, I would say like one of my biggest regrets thus far in life is that I don't know more about the Native American lore. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just, it's one of those things that I want to study so much better. All right. This one's called the Mishi Peshu. Anything? Uh, Have you heard of it? I've never heard of this. Dude, this thing's amazing. It kind of translates or is known as the underwater panther. Oh man, I love it already. Or also known as the Great Horned Water Lynx. Again, this is a Native American legend, a manifestation of an evil spirit roaming Lake Superior. It existed to protect the upper peninsula of Michigan's sacred copper deposit, sacred to the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And it was blamed for sinking ships. They, this is, this is also really cool. Underwater panthers are also described as water monsters that live in opposition to another creature that we're going to do in the future, the Thunderbird. Thunderbirds mm. are kind of like the masters and powers of the air. The underwater panther essentially is its, I don't know. Sort of like the Centurions. Remember that yeah, cartoon? Yeah. It, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So this one is in charge of the water. Right. Thunderbirds are there. Mm-hmm. And they are eternally engaged in a conflict with one another. Oh, wow. Wow. Mishi Pichu uh, were said to live in the deepest part of the lakes and rivers where they can cause storms. Some traditions believed the underwater panthers to be helpful, protective creatures, though. But more often than not, man, they were viewed as like these sort of malevolent beasts that actually brought death and misfortune and um, one of the sort of the, I guess, beliefs um, of the Native American people about this, and especially this this prairie band of Parawatomi Indians, mm-hmm. they would perform a traditional ceremony to essentially placate 
the underwater underwater panther so that they could s- safely pass mm, like an offering this, time, like, kind yeah of exactly yeah mm-hmm. and dude here's what's awesome there are pictographs of Mishi Peshu found along rocks on Lake Superior shore depicting the creature as an un, like as an unholy cross between a big spiny iguana and a mountain lion with antlers dude that's amazing man. so I'm like there's old ancient pictures of, of these things again we'll put this on the on our Instagram page but it's incredible man like I wish so bad I could have gone on that side of Michigan just now it's just another reason to go mm-hmm. but you see these like drawings on rocks of this crazy lake monster man that's crazy I, I right. do love, like... We will return after these messages. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. I love, like, the Native American sort of, like, I, I don't know. It's like they're, they're sort of, not deities, that's not a good word, but, like, their they're cast of characters, if you will, mm-hmm. are, like, they're just so sort of, like, creative in a way. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, like, I think that they're, you know, like, there's, like, less to be believed in. But I'm saying, like, you know, nowadays everything is just a lot more like, oh, well, it's a, you know, upright hominid and covered in fur. Like, these guys are like, no, it's an underwater panther with, with like, antlers. And, like, that's so cool to me. Yeah, I feel like they're drawing inspiration from, like, a set of, because they're drawn it from their lore, right? They have a totally different set of sort of like things to draw from, right? And, yeah, you know they come up with these incredible legends and stories. I say come up with, you know, God, maybe they're not coming up with it, man. Maybe they're just simply yeah writing this down in their you know mm-hmm. and and uh, chronicling these these crazy creatures. Although it does it does feel I I, I am curious at like the you know to us we know of like totem poles or like they're totem mm-hmm. animals. It feels very, which by the way, linked to the uh, battling boy. Have you finished it yet? Oh yes, dude. See, yes, awesome, so huh? good. Except that, like, it kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger, man. Is he? Yeah, there's a, a he's sequel? he's doing number two right now. Okay, yeah, okay, cool. No, so it kind of feels like this sort of juxtaposition of like all of their like sort of totem animals mm-hmm. in a way, which mm-hmm. is interesting, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. I always love too that there's always this like. Res- sort of like respect or thing that you have to do to placate these right. old gods, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, me All too. All right, this next one, I don't think you've heard of it, and to be honest with you, I don't know what I think of it. There's not a whole lot about it, but it makes the list, and that is the giant green squirrel of Amble. Oh, my gosh, never heard of it. But <laughs> these, it just gets, you're getting, it's better and better with every one. Yeah. So, so this one in there, there's this town in Michigan called Amble, mm-hmm. extremely tiny. It, it's basically one of these towns that at one point 
you know, I feel like they may have, you know, put together a couple of houses to, and a church. I mean, to this day, you can see, and I'll, again, we'll put pictures up. There's tons, this is going to have a very visual episode, mm-hmm. but these old buildings that are just kind of like dilapidated and just in the woods a little bit. And then there's a church and then there is a, um, I think there might be like a saloon and that's Mm. it. It's an old town that was at one point a logging sort of town. Very, very small. I think to this day, the tiny, tiny population, I think they have a bar, a church and a cemetery. No joke. And basically, there's just these reports late, late at night. And the locals are, you know, kind of sauced, you know, or maybe they're just getting back. You're either going to the bar or you're going to church, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there's just these reports that this giant um, squirrel just comes around and starts messing with people and messing with things. So, so the eyes are the eyes are reported to be either red or brown. But don't stop there. Some people say they're yellow. Some people say they're blue. Wow. And um, covering all their bases. Yeah, it's just a giant green squirrel, man. I mean, and, sure. and what year was this? I mean, this is relatively, relatively. Uh, like modern? New. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Michigan town terrorized by monster green squirrel. Locals in the village of Amble in Montcalm County believe there's a giant green squirrel terrorizing the community. This super squirrel is said to be the size of a small cow cow, or a 72 Buick and sends fear down spines if it's seen towering over Amble's tallest hills. The chirps, grunts, and squeaks this green squirrel makes can be heard throughout the hills and valleys as the sound echoes throughout the community. Wow. Anyway, I mean, dude, that's, 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 literally, that's literally about it. And I'm telling you, man, all the houses look like, remember that, um, that old mill by your house? That would always be like, man, we should go in there late at night or whatever. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what all these little buildings and houses look like there. Mm. I don't know if people live there. I don't know. Interesting. So now we're going to start diving into stuff that's, again, not necessarily cryptic, but just like weird urban legend type stuff like this. But this is a guy or a, per- I don't know what you want to call it, a legend of a person who was absolutely real. And it's just... Super interesting. That's the only reason I bring it up. But have you ever heard of Snapjaw, the ogre of Sini? I mean, it sounds like a like a He-Man character, but no, I have yeah. not. Okay, so Snapjaw. Uh, boy, you are right about that. It's 80s as heck. So we've got Saber Wolf and Snapjaw. Yeah. Did we just invent a freaking cartoon character, bro? I love it. Bro? And oh, Green Squirrel. Yeah. Okay, this quote-unquote monster is actually a man. And he lived in the Upper Peninsula. He was kind of known to be, I don't know, a little crazy, all right? His real name was P.K. Snapjaw Small. He lived in this town of Sini during the logging boom. Mm-hmm. And for whiskey money, he'd do just about anything, dude. This also reminds me of plenty of friends that I had in college. But, okay, this guy would bite the heads off of birds and snakes and even eat, like, fresh um, manure. He wow. would stick his face down in the bottom of his platoon. All kinds of crazy stuff. Jeez. Just for whiskey money, dude. And by the way, he had a little... The reason why they call him the ogre is because he had a little bit of a weird looking face because at some point, something or someone 
bit off his nose, and he sewed it back on himself, pal. Oh, my God. And so it grew back kind of weird. I mean, this is like totally true story. Totally true, man. Wow. I mm-hmm. love it. It's amazing. All right. This one, again, is called... This one I think that you'll really like, and I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's going to kind of ring true in a lot of ways, and you'll see what I mean. This one's called the Ada Witch. Hmm. I... N- no. Okay. Mm-mm. So... In the Finlay Cemetery in the Grand Rapids suburb, suburb of Ada, a 19th century rural legend about a guy whose wife was cheating on him, basically. Uh-oh. Uh, he killed the wife, and now she haunts the lady. And essentially, she's been known as, like, the white-clad witch. So, in other words... This is another Lady in White legend. Lady in White, yep. Teenagers have gathered around at night. Tons of people have witnessed this. Basically, she is kind of this almost scene where she reenacts in the woods. There's these, like, apparitions that that, um, are in the woods. People hear people, people hear kind of voices arguing with one another. Um, Mm. they, They claim to hear this lady's screams. They've claimed to be like touched by invisible hands. That's like a um, almost like a stone tape mm-hmm, sort of yep. situation. Just kind of like what we were talking about, yeah, mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago. And they talk about like feeling like again somebody touching their arms or hands, and they're in an area where there's no like tree branches or ferns mm. or anything that could have done that. I mean, that's basically the main thing, you know, where people talk about sort of seeing or hearing this argument happening in the woods, hearing the lady screams, and if they're lucky, seeing the lady in white. Mm. That's really cool. I love right. the, uh, I, I love that trope, um, which if uh, if you also love that trope, listener. Oh, uh, Timothy Renner. Well, in the book. Um, they tie in the lady the in white. Per- yeah. With like the big the footprints foot. end, part one. Yeah, they, they they have a whole section about Lady in White sightings mm-hmm. and correlations with, with Bigfoot. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because it's like a merging of like two sort of, you know, very wildly different sort of phenomenon. I think it's mm-hmm. cool. It's super cool. The next two are, speaking of phenomenon, more kind of in that sort of rad strange phenomenon mm-hmm. sort of category. And I say the next two, it's really kind of the last two. Well, I may talk about a third, but just briefly. All right, mm-hmm. this is this is a phenomenon called the Paulding Light. Have you heard of that? No, but I have a feeling I've heard of something similar. Okay, so up in the Upper Peninsula, by the Wisconsin border, in this teeny little town called Paulding, mm-hmm. there is this, like, valley, and if you look down a line of power poles at night... Mm you will see a, a white light off in the distance floating right towards you. Wow. Legends say that it's a will of the wisp or, an, you know, kind of like an atmospheric ghost light that mm-hmm. resembles a lantern. Some people say that it could be the ghost of a railroad brakeman killed on the tracks. Yeah, I've heard that before. Um, it could be the ghost of a Native American dancing on the power lines. Mm. Some people think that it might even be extraterrestrial or... Grim Reaper himself. Wow. So apparently in 2010, 
this sci-fi network uh, show called Factor Faked Paranormal Files went up to Paulding to investigate. Oh, wait, I think and I didn't see this episode, actually. the hosts um, essentially they concluded... They, yeah, they concluded it was inexplicable. They couldn't yeah. figure it out. Yeah, I've seen that. Because a lot of the debunkers would say, well, it's just, just kind of like in our episode about the Australian UFOs. Right. Um, well, wait, what were those lights called? Charanga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Min Min lights. Yeah. yeah. A lot of folks have basically said, well, I guess it's probably just cars, like whatever. Yeah. They figured it out that it, there's no way it uh, they could have done it. You know what I think as far as that stuff goes? So... Um, again, I know I've, this is basically turn, turning into its own drinking game at this point, but, uh, you know, I, I have had sort of a orb situation that was like reoccurring over and over. And, um, so I, I feel like with, with those kind of things, like what I witnessed, it's a very sort of intelligently led, um, mm-hmm you know, it feels like alive or, I mean, maybe it's like a certain sort of energy or whatever, but, but these lights that you hear with like the Min Min lights that sort of travel this, it's almost like they're traveling like a track, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. it kind of leads me to believe that like, maybe there is something with like a stone tape kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, and as crazy as it sounds like with like the ghost break man and that kind of stuff, that's like, it's pretty common, especially here in the U S there's, there's a lot of those. Right. And, I mean, maybe there is something to that, you know, or also I don't know where that sits as far as like on like the 33rd parallel or ley lines or earth energy or whatever, but maybe it also sort of could tie into something like that as well, you know? Yeah. If it, if I mean, it like consistently goes along this like, you know, path, this path, yeah. yeah. Like a, especially like a fixed path. Right. Because I think the ones that you experienced certainly seem more like, um, like they're responding to mm-hmm. whatever the stimuli oh, 100%. Know, is in the yeah. area. Although I think the Min Min lights did too. I think they were less sort of like, you know, linear. It was more just kind of like sometimes they would do weird things and mm-hmm. stuff. But but I think maybe it's a mixture of both. But there's a bunch. There's, there's like the there's a there's like the brown lights in uh I think North Carolina. And then there's the biggest one I think is in Texas. I can't think of what it's called, but um, the Alamo. <laughs> the Alamo, yeah. Uh, no, but they've tried, like, you know, same kind of thing. Like, all of these these people have tried to to debunk and saying, oh, well, it's cars and stuff. But, like, for example, like, the brown lights, you know, close to where we are down in the south are, you know, there's reports from, like, you know, the Indians long, long, long before there were, like, you know, the white settlers showed up that, we're talking about being able to see these lights, you know, down in the valleys and, you know, from up on the ridge and stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I love that stuff. I think it's really cool. Me too, man. In previous episodes, we've talked about flaps and mm-hmm. what a flap is. And so if you don't know, like I didn't, um, a flap is just – go ahead, Tyler. Well, it's basically a a little – typically it's like a limited time, like a little window in time where – uh, there's a large number of sightings of a similar thing that is continuing to happen. You, I think originally it came from, you know, the UFO field and, um, you know, people were reporting seeing lights and, and mm. discs and this and that. And, you know, say it was within a month in this particular year of in the 60s or whatever. That's where it kind of originated from. But it's basically like a little window of time where 
people within a certain area are seeing, you know, a consistency in this sort of, you know, some sort of weird phenomena. Yeah. So in 1966, it's funny you said the 60s, mm. there was, um, they call it a UFO wave because it was really just like this kind of centered around this one day, but still mm. so many people saw it that I feel like, eh, I don't know if I would call it a flap necessarily, but there were other reported sightings that, that followed. But anyhow, in March 20th of 1966, a man named Frank Manor reported to police about something strange at a swamp area in the Dexter Township. Mm. Manor said he saw a pyramid-shaped object with lights and heat waves emitting from it. Around 40 to 60 people saw it before it quickly darted away. A police search then followed with sightings of strange lights being reported from all over the Ann Arbor area. Which I so think there's at, actually other uh, UFO-related stuff uh, around Ann Arbor. Oh, I'm sure, man. Yeah. The U.S. Air Force started an investigation, and officials said that swamp gas, of oh, course, was the cause go. of these strange lights, leading to outrage and calls of a cover-up after this explanation. Mm-hmm. This even prompted a response from the Michigan, from the then Michigan Congress, Congressman Gerald Ford, hmm. who called for at the at that exact time he called for a congressional investigation into the matter, but then but it never came to fruition. Wow. Or did it? <laughs> so this county couldn't escape the, the UFO mania. There was a bunch of sightings that happened around the same time, and also in April of 1966. 20 students witnessed two objects in the sky mm. emitting like a bluish green and red lights, um, which were the same colors Manor said was, was coming from the swamp object he saw. God, I mean, we've said it before, but I'll say it again. Like, why were we not born in the 60s or around yeah. in the 60s? Yeah. So much so happened. So much crazy stuff. Yeah. But I mean, dude, crazy things are happening nowadays too. Yeah, but we're at such a weird time where it's like... It's easy to fake. Yeah, it's man. easy that's, to fake. That, that's the thing that sucks. I, I feel like there's just so much. There, to me, there will always be more credibility in these like older, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yes, there there were hucksters then also, but but man, did they not? They didn't have the technology. No, you know. Yeah, I mean, if the if I'm being honest, like the mischievous part of me wants to like go in a time machine just to be like, you know, although you're gonna get shot, man. Oh, 100 percent, and also. How do we know that that's not what actually happened? Yeah, no, you know? true. All right. Lastly, as we wrap it up about Michigan, I think we can all agree that Michigan is an incredible place for mm. rad strangeness. Yes. There's all kinds of legends. There's all kinds of creatures that encompass everything from, again, UFOs, aliens, Bigfoot, strange sea monsters, mm. mermen, little red devils. I mean, just everything, everything, everything. Mm-hmm. And a guy that sews his nose onto his own face. Jesus. Have you ever heard of the Michigan Triangle? No. Okay. I've so heard of other ones, but not. No, this isn't the last one. So I got to say, I think, am I 100%? No. Well, I've heard of the melon heads, but that's more okay, like. Okay, that's right. That's more that's sort of urban legend Like 98%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You totally stumped me. So basically, just like it sounds, man, the Michigan Triangle is essentially just like the Bermuda Triangle, but mm. in Michigan. It's located, um, it's part of like basically, it's really pretty close to where I was actually. I drove right by the dadgum thing, but it's part of the Great Lakes in North America. And the area resembles an acute right triangle for all of you 
geometry nerds out there. It covers basically Lake Michigan, which is the largest freshwater lake in the U.S., by the way. Mm. It's on the left side of Michigan's mitten. And if you don't know what that is, don't worry. Truth be told, I had no idea that part of Michigan is shaped like a mitten. No idea. Not until I went. And that's, you know, hey, and that's on me. Okay. Interesting. So basically, a bunch of really weird stuff happens in this triangle that, that and again, we'll put a picture up so you can see the exact location, um, that is over Lake Michigan. Hmm. Everything from, uh, well, you'll just see. So the first abnormal incident that was recorded was in 1679 um, when... You know, this is a time when people were trying to figure out new routes for expanding trade and all this. Well, this boat called the Le, Le Griffon was one of the largest sailing vessels of its time. And it set out on its maiden voyage in 1679 to find a northwest passage to China and Japan. All went well until the ship reached the Michigan Triangle and never came back. Hmm. Tons. I mean, dude, there were books in bookstores, tons and tons of like shipwrecks, man, in Lake Michigan, but specifically in this area. Oh, so you're saying like, like, I I thought you were saying it just happened to like cover some of Lake Michigan. You're saying this is like, like literally like a Bermuda Triangle, but in a lake. Yes, correct. Wow. Okay. So there's that first shipwreck. Mm Mm-hmm. This one is... And and that first one was, like, completely unexplained? Yeah. No traces of the crew. They never found the wreckage of the ship, dude. Mm. Never been found. Wow. And, like, again, there are tons of shipwrecks that people take photographs of, man, and have they do dives and stuff and explore these old vessels, and they never found this one at all. It just completely disappeared. Hmm. In 1883 the crew of a wooden tugboat called Mary McLean that worked out of Chicago Harbor also had a strange story to tell. They claimed to have witnessed big, humongous blocks of ice falling from the sky while they were on the lake. Mm. It happened for like a whole entire 30 minutes and it didn't stop. And it was so powerful, like during that whole time, it was just constant. It was so powerful that it caused these big dents in the, in the um, tugboat's wooden surface. The crew managed to save a large chunk of ice in its galley icebox and recounted the horrific ordeal at the harbor. Crazy, I mean, right? That's insane, yeah. Um, and, and, one, and, and real quick, this is like super, this would be like super deep. Okay. Like, I mean, I'm just asking, like, it, this would be hard to like do dives and stuff or or have the... Uh, where? Like in the in this particular triangle sort of area. Like how yeah, deep? Yeah, no, the I mean water? it's it's deep. Yeah, 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 it's deep. Okay, but I mean it's you know, like fifty I don't know feet exactly kind of thing. No, 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 deeper than that. Oh, okay, for sure. All right, so Lake Michigan averages around two hundred seventy nine feet in deep in depth, and oh the gosh. deepest point is about nine hundred and twenty five. Holy cow! Feet deep. I mean that's yeah. like straight up ocean. Yeah, dude. I mean when we were driving back, literally the lake was on our right side, heading south for like four hours. Same lake. Jeez. Um, I feel like we should come up with another word f- for like something in the middle of lake and ocean. Yeah, really, Michigan. <laughs> um, all right. So another weird 
Michigan Triangle disappearance occurred in 1891. This guy named Thomas Hume. He was aboard a three-masted schooner on his journey from Chicago to Muskegon. Muskegon? 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 Yeah, Muskegon. On his journey from Chicago. Muskogee. Again, his boat completely vanished. Three-masted schooner. I mean, that's, you know, three masts. That's a big sailboat. Yeah. Uh, In 2006, some wreckage was discovered by a diver. Um, But they're still, at the time that this article that I'm reading was, uh, or that I read, was written, they were still trying to confirm its identity and the reason for its vanishing. Mm. So, there. oh, dude, you're going to love this. There is a underwater Stonehenge in Lake Michigan. No. Yep. Now, it's on a more shallower segment of the lake. And it also features like a boulder that has an image of a mastodon on it. So apparently the exact location has not been revealed to the world so that people don't just completely ruin it, you Mm -hmm. know, because they're still doing research on it. Wow. Underwater Stonehenge. That's so cool, man. Now, there have been countless, like I said, countless ships and crews and people that have just never been found. Again, it's a huge lake. Okay. Let's talk about some things that fly over the Michigan Triangle. Mm. So in 1950, the Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 2501 had 55 passengers and three crew members on its way from New York to Minneapolis. When just before vanishing from radar, the captain requested to descend to the cruising altitude to 2,500 feet due to extreme and unexpected turbulence. The permission apparently could not be granted, and the flight continued at 3,500 feet over Lake Michigan. The flight never reached its destination, Mm. nor was the plane's wreckage ever found. Man, those are crazy. (laughs) Man. Uh, Just countless and countless stuff. But, like, another thing that happens sometimes is in 1919, people observed unusual bright lights in the sky above the Michigan Triangle. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, all in all, it's just like... A very mysterious place in terms of that that triangle, weird phenomenon mm-hmm. happen around it all the time. So, you know, something that uh, I've always wondered: Would you fly? Not just you, but to the listeners too. Would you fly knowingly across the Bermuda Triangle? And sub question: Fly mm-hmm. across the Michigan Triangle? I'm going to say no on both. I know it's done a lot with the Bermuda Triangle, but there still is a little bit of, you know, I know it's not like a popular thing like it, like it was when we were kids. but I, Yeah, dude, when we were kids, I feel like Bermuda Triangle and quicksand huge. is all I ever heard about. Yes, quicksand. That was a big one back then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, according to my, like, it's a, it's a miracle mm-hmm. that we're still alive and we didn't get taken by quicksand because I swear to God, in the 80s it was like, now you got it. Now you got to learn how to get out of quicksand. Oh yeah, huh? I don't know. Anyways, man, Michigan is an incredible place. It's beautiful. The people are cool. There's tons to do, uh, and man, if you like this kind of stuff, there's all there are all kinds of incredible stories, incredible creatures. It's in, it was just it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds, you know, it, it sounds incredible. Like the just the amount of 
again, like the amount of things that I'd never heard of, but they're yeah. all like really colorful and really, really weird and mm-hmm. cool. So they're definitely rife for, with, uh, with intrigue and perfect for Camp Rad strangeness. Yeah, man. Well, you got anything else you want to talk about? Um, I think that, I think that just about does it, man. Other than just, you know, if, if, Someone's asking me, do I recommend visiting Michigan, especially in the early summer? I would say absolutely, especially if you're coming from down south Mm -hmm. where it's hot, humid and everything. Because, I mean, essentially I went up there, it was like average about 60 degrees every day. Yeah. And so it was like a sweatshirt and shorts kind of weather for me. It was just perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. And if you need a nice sweatshirt or shirt, uh, head on over to our merch store and our link tree. Uh, we will have new Camp Rad Strangeness shirts for this season. Yes. You know, whether you live in the balmy south or the frigid north, uh, you know, hopefully you can find something that'll uh, that'll suit you. If you want to reach out to us, hit us up on Instagram. That's kind of our main hangout. Feel free to shoot us DMs if you have any stories about, you know, cryptids that you've seen or weird, weird situations that you've been in or or local legends or, you know, stuff that kind of like what we talked about today that, that maybe we've never heard of. Uh, we were huge collectors of that kind of stuff, and we love each and every one. If you have one that's a little more involved and a little longer, feel free to shoot your essay over to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com or send us a, a voice memo. And, uh, yeah, maybe it'll be featured on the show. Well, that's about it, man. Uh, I think it was a great kickoff episode, and uh, I look forward to more. So with that being said, we love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it
time where I just needed some sunshine You were already dead before you became a ghost You always said our future would be a parade of flowers But now all that's left is a single rose That's the way Your mom and kiss your moms and dads goodbye. Hop on the bus. I didn't have a dad. Off. And let's get camping. Hello, okay. All right. Um, Jesus, I didn't have a dad. It's just like you just take my audio and put it way in the background. It's like I didn't have a dad. God. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that was. Oh, yeah, that sounds. That sounds. Uh, no, not the dad part. All uh, You just rewatched what? Uh, I just rewatched uh, all of It's Always Sunny. Oh, the whole thing. The whole thing, man, dude. I, I haven't. Man, it's just the best show ever. Though. It is so funny. I just saw like a clip the other day where it was like, <clears throat> um, what's, what's uh, Danny DeVito's character's name? Mm. Frank. Frank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. When he's just like walking down the sidewalk with, um, oh, not Dennis, but the other one, Mac. Yeah. He's walking down the sidewalk with Mac, and he's just like chugging this beer, and he's like just so gross. He's like, ah. And he like tosses the can into the street, and Mac's like, whoa, hey, man. And then all of a sudden, Danny DeVito's like, oh. He's like, whoa, where'd you come from? He's like, dude, I've been walking with you for the last five miles. And then he just starts like burping. Yeah. Oh God, it's so good. Yeah, he does that burp thing that's just so, what's really funny though, and I never, I guess I, we had, I don't think we had ever watched this, but like the the episode with where he like shows up, he's like super rich, normal, like head of like a corporation. And then with, and then he just like gets into like sort of like slumming it. <laughs> what was this like in one of the first seasons? Is that yeah, talking? yeah, yeah. I think it's. Yeah, man, I don't. I don't remember. I think it's actually. Guess, wait, what, two. what is that on now? Like Hulu or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to pay the trolls toll to get into the buzzle. <laughs> you got to pay the toll to get in. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> so awful. Uh, day man. Uh, he's okay. actually pretty talented. Dude, all those guys are talented. No, but I mean, like, he does, like, several, several, like, little piano things where he's just, like, Mm -hmm. messing around. Are you talking about Charlie? Yeah, he's awesome. Charlie? Yeah. Yeah. 
he's like a legit musician. Dude. Should we talk? Can I? Whoa. Like I want to talk. Like, I want to see something real quick. Have you watched, uh, are you caught up to Obi-Wan? Uh, I haven't watched, I have, I'm like one episode behind. I haven't seen, no, wait a minute. Did I, have I seen? Like, who's Obi? I know I've Obi-Wan. seen, I know I've seen one and two and maybe half of three, maybe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, three's pretty awesome and four's pretty good too. There I is think. some just crap, uh, acting though. It's, yeah, some crap acting and also CGI. But I started watching mm-hmm. half of the latest one. Pretty good. And uh, it gets a little intense. But I'm still kind of on the fence about it in general. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things that, God, if it would have, if they would have given it like the uh, like the Mandalorian treatment, it would have been like the greatest, you know, Star mm-hmm. Wars thing of all time. Yeah. But I don't know. There's just, there's some like bad directing and, Terrible acting from some of the sort of, you know, cursory characters. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, he's great. Like, yeah, he's awesome. I like the the main like bad guy girl. Yeah, um, she's cool. The the other like inquisitor though, like the Asian one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such such hesitation going in there, dude. Oh God! I, how I just made that sound just as a it's just like the Asian one. God, oh man. <laughs> well, it's weird because I think he's, I think he's great, like on his own. Wait, what's he? Been, what has he been in? No, 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 no. I'm saying like I think he's, I think he's cool when he's just being like this, like imposing. No, not cool. Like badass. No, I think he is. But then when he starts talking, it's like. And then, uh, and it's like, yeah. okay, guy, it's not good, not 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 good at all. Well, what about what about Top Gun? Did you see Top Gun? I have not seen Top Gun yet. I would have watched that before Jurassic Park. No joke, Top Gun. We had we had to take the is, girls. Though. You probably could have gotten away with that too. That's what I've heard, actually, dude. I'm not joking, man. They first off, can I just say? Well, dude, I don't want to. Wait, is this thing on? I just don't like We're it. Recording? No spoilers. No spoilers here. But I gotta tell you, man, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. You're like, no spoilers. But when Maverick dies, dude, um, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, man. That's what I've heard. It's just incredible. Zero complaints. What I've heard, you know, there might be like one or two bad words, but nothing crazy. Jurassic Park had a few surprises. Yeah, dude, they they get a little. And dude, the first like couple Jurassic Worlds are just they're pretty intense, dude. Well, for like kids, I mean, yeah, this one's. This one's pretty intense too. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna take Jane to that one. Uh well, I mean, we took Elliot and she's she's a good bit younger. And she's fine. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh we were are we by the way, are we keeping any of this mole off? This this will be like after show stuff. Hey, Um, we we need by the way, we need a name for it. Like the green room or backstage, backstage pass. I think the after show is just fine. Yeah, but everybody has like. Or did I say after party? What did I say last time? I think you said after show because right when you said it, I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> Wait, no, because I was like, this is our new favorite. The after, I think it's after. Yeah, I might have said no, after. You show. did say after show. 